This podcast is brought to you by the Ultimate Lettering Quiz. Find out just how much you really know about letters by taking the quiz for free on martinafraud.com slash quiz. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to another episode of Open Studio. I'm your host, Martina Flor, and in this show I have honest conversations with artists, designers and creatives to uncover their story and the specific tactics they use to build a successful career around their skills and the work they love doing. My guest today is Timothy Goodman. Timothy is an artist, graphic designer, author, and public speaker. His art and words have populated walls, buildings, packaging, juice, clothing, books, magazine covers, and galleries all over the world for brands such as Nike, Apple, Google, MoMA, Netflix, Tiffany & Co., Samsung, Yves Saint Laurent, Uniqlo, Target, The New Yorker, and The New York Times. He's the author of Sharpie Art Workshop and the co-creator of several social experiments, including the viral blog and book 40 Days of Dating, whose TV rights were optioned to Netflix. His first solo gallery exhibition, I'm Too Young to Not Set My Life on Fire, was on view in Manhattan in 2021. Timothy's work often discusses topics such as mental health, manhood, race, politics, and love. He teaches at SBA, regularly speaks around the world at creative conferences, and he lives in New York City. This episode with Timothy is such a gift. He allowed us to see and hear the stories of the real person behind the artist and didn't hold back in speaking about deep topics like depression, love, and money. He shared his path from growing up in Cleveland, making a living at painting houses, all the way to New York to find means to fund our school and making his way into the art and design scene in a new city. During this show, Timothy unpacks how he infuses his life experiences into his personal work, and he opens up and shares many of his personal and professional stories. Pure gold. Enjoy this episode with Timothy Goodman. Hi, Timothy. How are you doing today? Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm doing all right. I'm in New York City. It's a very gray and gloomy day, but mm. we're uh, we're going to make it bright. <laughs> great. Let's do that. Timothy, Timothy, there are so many topics we can touch on today. Um, you know, as an artist and designer, you express yourself through a lot of different mediums. You have started several self-initiated projects. You have worked with a wide variety of clients and mm -hmm. you have written books. You have done a lot of different things and we're going to touch on hopefully all of these things or some of these things today. Um, but it seems that many of the things you do are strongly informed by your personal interests, right? Mm -hmm. So I'd like mm -hmm. to start with a question that will probably open up a lot of different of, the windows of conversations for us. And the question is, how does an artist find that sweet spot between what they love doing and what other people want from them? And when I, when I say what other people want from them, I mean, how do you find you know, the intersection between that thing you love doing or your interest and what other people is willing to pay for or to buy in order mm -hmm. to sustain your living as an artist? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you, you know, it's a delicate uh, balance that we have to find ourselves in. You know, first of first and foremost, I come from a graphic design background. So that has, I don't come from like a fine art background, you know, so mm-hmm. that, that informs the way I've kind of grown as more of a, of an artist now who doesn't necessarily do traditional graphic design work at all, you mm-hmm. know? So I came from a commercial art background, a branding background. So the way I still approach it is the way I learned, you know? Right. And so all of that kind of, I think, informs the way we go about it. It's a, it's a delicate balance because how do you create work that is really important to you and meaningful to you that is also meaningful and important to other people, you know? And that's what I think is the, is the, is the goal, you know, as, a, as someone like me. So I don't know. It's not an easy question to answer. All you can do like anything is try to find time to continue to develop your voice Mm -hmm. as a designer, as an artist, as an illustrator, and not follow trends, you know, as much. And to believe in your voice, to believe that even if you're not, I think of all of this like waves, you know, Mm -hmm. like sometimes you don't catch the wave if you're surfing, but at some point you will catch a wave and you have to stay on as long as possible and then you'll fall off and then there'll be more waves, you know? And so to stay true to yourself and know that sometimes you're going to be on the wave, sometimes you're going to be off the wave, but as long as you're making work that is meaningful to you, um, I think that's all that's that, that you can ask for. And you got to try to find time. Sometimes early on, especially for young designers, we have to find time to we have to make work that that pays the rent pays the bills and then also try to find time to make the work that we really want to make you know mm-hmm. and nothing is possible without time so that time is the ultimate luxury and privilege so you have to try to find that time if you can and if you're you know if you're really devoted uh to work on your craft outside of the commercial work if that's something you want and that's not always something that everybody wants of course Mm -hmm. sometimes people just want to cook and go to dance classes and may have a beautiful garden in their backyard you know so we have to we can only determine what's important to us you know yes and i want to ask you later how do you find what are what are your methods to find time because there's so many things that happen in life right there's so many things that are um occupying our days um but first before that i want to just understand what are how do you feel or where do you see the difference between a designer because you say that you have this education in design and this also determines your approach to your practice as an artist right Mm -hmm. so how would you say would be the difference there between a designer and an artist what do you think are is the main difference between those two approaches i don't know you know there's a lot of theories on that you know some mm. people would say well, some people would say a designer is a person who solves problems and an mm. artist is a person who creates problems i don't necessarily agree with that i think that you know we can use the tools we we we've picked up and learned as designers and art directors or illustrators, people in the commercial art, we can use the tools that, that we've garnered through the years Mm -hmm. 
and create personal stories out of that, you know, and create work that is personal to you. It doesn't necessarily, you know, and you can create your own problem and then try to solve it. You know, it doesn't, you can still create self-initiated work, personal work, however you want to define it, um, you know, and, and go with it. So I, I don't know what the line is. I also don't think it's that, uh, I don't struggle with it. It's not that necessary for me to figure out. And I don't think, yeah. I don't, I don't, I think a lot of creatives should not worry about it as much, you know, mm. it let someone else define that, you know, we don't, why do we have to define it? We, we we're in, in here, we're in the arena of creating work, you know, and, and trying to get work out in the world, you know, and I think we forget that, you know, it's like, we need to make work for humans, for people, you know, mm -hmm. my greatest joy is that as an artist, as a designer is trying is to connect to another person emotionally, mm -hmm. you know, how do I continue to connect to people emotionally to make you feel something, to make you look at your own life, to make you cry, to make you laugh, to make you think about something, you know, uh, to make you want to take a picture of something on a wall or, or on Instagram or wherever. It's like, I, I want to connect to people, you know, and it, that's all, you know, that's my greatest joy, my greatest goal as an, as an artist or a designer. That sounds like a great purpose. And I can imagine how finding your own voice can help you connect with people better. Just going back to what you said before that, you know, you, you need to find that time as an artist, as a creative, as a designer to find your own voice, to find your own way of saying stuff. Mm -hmm. So I want to go back to that for a second and, and, and ask you, how do you find that time in your daily life? Because I, I can imagine you're now in your art studio. I can imagine that you have assignments or you do assignments for commercial clients, but you mm -hmm. continue. I can already see, uh, we, we can see on your website that you can continue, you continue doing all these personal projects, writing your books, uh, writing your memoir that we are going to speak about um, in a minute. But how do you find that time? Do you have a specific way of uh, allocating time for, for personal work? Because I know that this is, and I ask you this because I know that this is, this is something that many of us struggle with. We have so many distractions yeah. in our lives nowadays, social media, internet, yeah. emails. Um, so it's becoming increasingly harder to find the time to do work and to find that focus. So I wonder yeah. how that works for you. Um, you know, at this point, it's different for me than it used to be, you know, I think in the past, uh, when I was beginning, um, you know, I, I think, to my detriment, it wasn't healthy, I would spend a lot of time on the at, at nights, on the weekends. And I didn't have a, uh, I didn't have a balanced work life, personal life, you mm -hmm. know, and maybe that benefited me professionally or in my career, but it also was a shortcoming for me personally in my personal mm -hmm. life, you know, and it wasn't necessarily healthy. So you can go that route, <laughs> you know, as a person and let relationships fall to the side and friendships and family and not see people, or you could try to find a, you know, a more healthy balance, of course. You were well, gonna say something? What was the impact that that had on your personal life or your health or yeah I think it just um 
I think for a long time I was working to try to prove, you know, people that I knew from back home to prove them wrong that I could I could make it, mm-hmm. or to prove people who doubted me, or to prove people when I I began my career when I worked at Apple, you know, I wanted to prove people wrong that I could make it as a as an, indiv- an independent artist, you know, and I think. In a lot of ways, that drove me and, and, and helped me. In a lot of ways, that was, you know, it, it's it's ego, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not a proper way, I think, to develop. Um, and so after a while, I think it caught up to me. I was burned out. I was um, not happy about things that were happening in my personal life. I didn't feel emotionally mature and developed. And I had to take a step back, you know, and I had to really analyze and look in the mirror and you know ask myself more important questions about what I want out of life who I want to be what kind of relationships I want to have um and you know and I think now I have a much more balanced life in that in that sense a much more rich life um but at this point in my career you know I don't really I don't make a difference between personal and commercial I mean there there is of course you know, I have this, my graphic memoir is coming out in, G- in January 31st. And it's been a lot of work this year to make that happen. Yeah. And it's been very exciting. But to me, it wasn't, I don't see it as personal work or commercial. Yes, of course, if I'm working for a client and it is very, you know, driven by what the client wants or something, uh, of course, there's a difference. But I, I don't struggle as much anymore. But I'm also in a place where I can pick and choose and I can develop, you know, what I want to do. And people come to me now from my voice, even if it's mm. a brand or a client. And so I'm, I'm in a very privileged position. And I don't take that lightly, you know, so I don't take that for granted. Yeah. Um, but early on, I think that I don't know, you know, I, I just, I would just tell people not to necessarily do it the same way I did it, you know, because I think that you can find healthier ways to develop. But nothing, like I said, nothing is possible without time. And so how do we find the time to, to develop our craft outside of the work we're doing to pay, pay the bills, you know? And that's a difficult question that can only be answered by the individual person, you know? And I'm, I'm you know, so. I love that. And I love that you point out how important time is because it's something that we give for granted, but actually time is the, the only thing we have and the only thing we can manage. Right. Yeah. And it's about like understanding how how is to finding out what your personal way of managing time is and what your what is important for you to start with. Right. Yeah. Where do you put priorities? Where do you set the priorities in your life? Yeah. Uh, Timothy, I want to go back a little bit. Um, we're going to go down the path of, you know, your work and your books and all of that. But I want to go back and understand a little bit of where, where are you coming from? And, where, you know, how was life uh, before all of this happened? How was life growing yeah. up? And uh, perhaps you can tell us a little bit about what your family looks like and how your childhood looked like. Yeah, I come, I grew up in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. You know, Ohio is like, you know, a one hour, 30 minute flight from New York City, mm. an eight, maybe a, an eight, eight hour drive. Um, you know, it was like a suburb um, outside of Cle- Cleveland, which is the city. Yeah. Um, and I grew up in a, you know, with my mom and my stepfather, we didn't have a lot of money. We were, and 
there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of kind of family struggles that I saw money wise. And, you know, I think that, you know, that informed awe of my later kind of journey. But I think that, you know, for the most part... Can I part, ask how, how it yeah. informed... Sorry, how, how it yeah. informed... Um, how that informed your journey, um, seeing your family struggle with, with money and... Well, I think later, you know, I really, you know, early in my 20s when I was like, when I went to college, I was like really kind of determined to try to be like, I wanted to be successful as an artist. You know, it was like something that I had in my, I was like, I want to make it. I don't want to struggle like my family. I don't want to worry about these things. I want to, I want to be known for my work, you know? And like I said, I think that caught up to me later um, because I think I was, you know, not approaching it in a, in a necessarily a healthy way. Hmm. Um, but that, you know, a lot of people do that, you know, who, who grew up like that, you know, I mean, something is pushing them, driving them. They have a, you know, a need to want to prove people wrong or mm. to like, you know, and so I think a lot of that, you know, and I didn't know my father growing up and I, and I had a lot of, um, I think I had a lot of, uh, aggression about that and a lot mm. of disappointment about that. And that informed how I work and the kind of topics I decided to start creating around, you know, I think that I was never shy about, trying to infuse my personal life into my work, mm. even as an early, as a young designer, because I felt like I needed to express myself, you know, it's really important to me to kind of get that out into my work. Um, I think that's the whole reason why I want to, like, it, it goes back to that trying to connect with people. I feel lonely a lot in this world, even though I can be in a great relationship, a romantic relationship, I can have a lot of great things in my life. I feel existentially like lonely hmm. and I want to make work to connect to other people, other lonely people so that we can all feel less alone in this, you know, we can all feel like, Oh, like me, you know, I'm the same. I feel the same way or that's happened to me or, you know, or just to bring enlightened people in their own lives, you know? Hmm. Um, and so all of that from my childhood, is still with me in a lot of ways and why I kind of, you know, approach certain things and why I'm so important in mental health and, you know, and manhood and masculinity and toxic masculinity and therapy. And, you know, I didn't see that growing up, you know, we didn't talk about those things in my mm. family or in my neighborhood or in my community, you know, and you were taught as a boy in Cleveland, Ohio in America to, you know, that crying is weak and, you can't be vulnerable and you can't share your feelings and you can't yeah. in therapy. You're something's wrong with you. If you go to therapy and, you know, and, and you know, this and that, or you're a girl, if you like this or you're whatever. And it's like all of that stuff, you know, I, I I'm interested in continuing to talk about in my work and tear, tear those walls down. Mm. Um, and so all of that has informed me in a lot of ways, you know, and yeah, I talk and I... a lot about this in my book, you know, a lot about, cause because I think nothing more than love, a relationship, love and heartbreak is is this catalyst for all these traumas that we like, because so much happens when you're with someone, they, they have direct access. So the person you love has direct access to your childhood traumas, your pain, your fears, your insecurities. And so, so it's this perfect, not perfect, but it, it, it's this, it's this perfect kind of like a little um, compartment that contains all these things that are inside of us that 
are unleashed. And if you don't have the right tools to, to deal with them, if you're not self-actualized and able to communicate and work on these things and, and, and admit your mistakes and want to do better and, and you know, and, um, and want to be more self-aware and to love the people around you better and to love yourself better. If you're, you have to find the, you have to learn and unlearn so many attitudes and behaviors through the years. And so, you know, so. And I, I can know. totally see how that, all, all that is infused in your, in your work and um, how you said before, how you infuse your personal life into your work. And also it seems that your work as an artist is a way of processing through the things that happen in your life or didn't happen in your life or you didn't learn in your life. Yeah. Um, and it's a way of rebelling is, uh, against those or asking questions. But I wonder, you know, the, the, the work you do is oftentimes so so intimate and so tightly connected with who you are like and and with your opinions mm -hmm. like you touch on politics on mental health as you said manhood race love um and i can imagine that it may be it might become increasingly hard to disconnect and detach from work from time to time mm -hmm. i know it happens to me i mean i do i do work that is so tightly connected with who I am and with my purpose that it oftentimes happens to me that it's hard for me to just disconnect from work because I continue thinking about the people I work with um, mm -hmm. and the students I work with, right? So I wonder how that is for you and how do you manage that in your life? It's always a struggle. There's no easy way, you know, mm -hmm. each of us have to find those, you know, find, find ways to shut down and shut off, shut things off, you know. Um, certainly social media makes it very difficult, you know, to, to be able to, to, you know, escape being online and escape that, that constant scroll, you know, and yeah. I don't know, I don't know, I'm always struggling with it, you know, sometimes you have to just really be aggressive about taking steps to, you know, shut down, you know, I, I I don't know. I, as I've gotten older, I've gotten better about it. You know, mm. I don't, I think that I can, you know, at night, okay, I've, I've done, I've put in a full day. I feel, you know, I, I know what I need to do tomorrow. And it's like, you know, luckily I have a wonderful partner in life and, and beautiful, incredible girlfriend who I can, who, you know, I want to spend time with at night and eat yeah. dinner and when, you know, read books and watch tv shows with and all of that so um you know i think you, there's different but there's different seasons for everybody in life sometimes there's going to be moments where you, you're very inspired and you want to constantly be working and you feel really you know motivated um and then there's going to be times where but the, the but the time we had just have to remember that we're not machines hmm. and we have to just find these these moments where we have to be okay with with letting it go and mm. we have to be we have to give ourselves permission to you know walk away and and live our lives no i'll tell you this in order to be in a, i think in order to be in, in a you know uh, a good artist a good designer mm. i think you have to lead you have to have 
had a lived in it lived in interesting life and experiences and so in order to have perspective in order to have opinions in your work hmm. and you can't have these unless you're out there living your life you know yeah. and yeah and and going out there and making mistakes and doing stupid things and doing profound and courageous things and, and doing all kind you know, both good and bad and mistakes and everything going out there and living your life. And that is, that will add to your lived experience with that will only help you as a creative person, as an artist, um, to have more interesting work that resonates more with people. I really believe that. So, you know, we can't, I don't think sitting in front of a computer or, you know, all day, every day, forever is, is ever going to be, you know, the way. So, yeah, nothing can be created in isolation, really. Um, and I want to go back and I know we are jumping back and forth uh, in, in topics, but I want to go back a little bit to your your story. How did you get into, you know, we, we talked about, about your um, your upbringing in Cleveland, some of the things you went through in your uh, childhood and how that that um, that had a mark on how you later behaved in your career or what what you mm -hmm. were pursuing as an artist later on and i want to understand how how did it go after you you were growing up in cleveland how do you get into the or how do you go down the path of illustration and art yeah so i was a really horrible high school student i barely graduated <laughs> Um, all I cared about was partying and doing drugs and all these things when I was like 16 years old, 17 years old, and I barely graduated and I was reacting, you know, I was reacting to everything that from my childhood, from my yeah. stepfather and my yeah. birth, my birth father and the divorce I saw and the, the, you know, I was, I was reacting. I was not happy. You know, I look back now and I was very, I was really depressed and I didn't know that at the time yeah. I didn't have the, the, the language to talk about it or the self-awareness to be able to, but I was abusing a lot of things in my life. And so I, I took, I couldn't go to college. And so I started painting, I was painting houses uh, for a man and I painted houses, uh, really beautiful homes in Cleveland. We would paint these homes and I was a labor man. I was hauling wallpaper glue and, and buckets of paint for people and doing, you know, tearing down wallpaper and, all these things and and um we uh i did that for s several years and in that time i thought maybe we were working on these beautiful houses i thought maybe i wanted to be an interior designer hmm. and i started taking classes at it in in all and then in, in the united states there's something called um a community college it's yeah. it's a community yeah it's like a two-year school and it's not like a university but it's very anybody can get in if you pay it I started taking community college classes and then I had to take drawing classes and I really liked it. I really like found myself really drawn to these classes and to mm. these teachers. And these, I had some really great encouraging teachers who told me, you know, that I was like, I had potential. I never heard that. I never thought mm. that I didn't have any confidence or belief in myself. And suddenly these people, these teachers, saw potential and they saw how you know kind of passionate i was about it and they saw the expression i had through the work mm. and and they gave me encouragement and that's all i needed you know i just felt yeah. that encouragement 
And I just kept going with it and kept going with it. And so I decided I was going to go big or, you know, I was, I didn't want to be there. I thought if I'm going to do this, I'm, I'm going to go to art school. I don't want to be here in this small city. I, I just felt like if I'm going to do this, first of all, I had no money, you know, so I, I didn't know how I was going to pay for it. But I knew that if I just, if I could, if I was going to do this, I had to go big. So I was like, I, I, I have to go to New York city. That's it. Like, there's just no other answer for me. It's, um, I how thought old were maybe, you? how old were you then? I don't know. I was 22 or something. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know, and then I, my favorite artist to this day is a, is an artist named Red Grooms. He's a, he's from like the sixties and seventies. Um, and he did this incredible, he did all these incredible paintings about New York. And I heard the story about how he came from a small town too. And he, one day he was just eating a donut at a, at a, at a bakery. And he just decided I need to go to New York city and that's where I'm going to be an artist. And I read that and I decided then that I needed to go to New York City and be an artist. And so <laughs> I made all the necessary requirements. I, I figured out how to get my, you know, my all my great all my credits transferred, and yeah. I, I applied to Pratt, I applied to um, Parsons, and I applied to School Visual Arts SVA. Yeah. And I got into Parsons and I got into SVA, and I decided and I went. I came here. For one day, I drove here eight hours. I saw the city for the first time ever, and I went to go look at the schools. And the moment I went to SVA, I knew I had to be there. So I figured out everything I needed to do, and I I planned for like a year and a half. Um, and in that time, I, I had to figure out how I was going to go to school, how I was going to pay for it, because I had no money in my family. No one could help me. And so I bought this book. Um, it's called um, How to Go to College for Almost Free. And I bought this book and it's cheesy, but I read this entire book and it taught me, it, it explained how to win scholarships to get money to go to school. But, and, and so, but what it really taught me how to do is write about myself. I had, cause in order to win a scholarship, you have to explain your story. You have to tell, you have to explain why you deserve the money, why your story is important, why you are going to succeed. And so I, 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 over the course of a year, applied to a hundred different scholarships. It also teaches you how to find scholarships in yeah. different places in your in communities and all this kind of stuff. There's even a scholarship for tall people. Like you can find these things. <laughs> and so you, I, you got that one because you're pretty tall. I did. You... No, I got that one. Yeah. <laughs> and so I applied to over a hundred scholarships and I won 10 of them. Um, oh so, you know, and then I was able to start, I still needed to figure out other ways to afford school, but I had enough to at least go to, for the first year and I, you know, and I did it and it was very scary and exciting. And I went to SBA and went to school for graphic design and yeah, that's kind of how like it all started. That's amazing. That's a great story. And <laughs> so you, you, when you moved to New York, how was that? You know, because a lot of people that I interview in the podcast, I normally ask them, why did they decide uh, to move to another city? Because m many of the artists I, I happen to interview in the podcast, um, they 
either relocated cities or they moved to a city for a while or they moved to New York yeah. or they went overseas for some reason. And I, I, yeah. I'm always interested in the story behind. Why, why would you leave your family, friends, the place where you were born or the place you, you already have formed a life in yeah, uh, yeah. to go look for what in, in other city, right? In your case, it was motivated basically... Um, for studying and for because you wanted to join a university, you wanted to study art. But what are the things that came from moving to New York City that you didn't expect to find in that process? Or what, are, well, what, what did that do for you? I mean, I can imagine that, of course, that allowed you to go to the school you wanted to study in. But besides this, what are the other things that you would say that you are thankful to New York for? Well, you know, it's funny. Sometimes we're born <clears throat> in the wrong cities, <laughs> you know. <laughs> sometimes we're born to the wrong parents. I don't know, you know, like, uh, yeah. Yeah. you know, sometimes. So you got to find your way back home somehow, you know. And I, I just felt like, you know, New York was was home. Like yeah. I knew it, you know, and I've been here for a long time, you know, and I don't think I'll ever leave. I've been here for 16, 17 years, you wow. know, so it's like. Um, uh, it's, it's been, it's been everything for me in my career in so many ways, you know, because, uh, I, you know, you just, there's something about the current and the vibrations of a place mm. that just, that just, um, are compatible with you. And this mm. place is just compatible with, with me. So it doesn't feel, you know, the city doesn't feel like some people ha might feel it. You know, I don't feel intensity i don't feel how that it's overwhelming or i don't feel i feel like it's just right you know yeah, so yeah um it's it's you know and it was this way like from from minute one so it was this way you felt that you were Pretty in vibe much. with the city okay so you, yeah. you didn't feel any challenge into adapting to the city and finding your way or only i just felt scared about making such a big decision mm. in the beginning you know mm. I, i i had a moment within the first week or two that i was here when i moved here for school that oh shit what have i done you know mm. Mm. like how, how i'm I'm, t i'm i've you know i had a life in cleveland yeah i would you know now i've gone i've taken a step back and i'm going back to school and i'm i'm You know, first of all, I was paying, I had saved up my own money because I was working full time. So I was spending all that money to be here. And then I was winning all, I was using all the scholarship money and I was taking out loans. And it was just scary because I was doing it all by myself. Hmm. And so it was kind of like, what am I doing? And just like, so I had to kind of find my new life because I was suddenly a full time college student and, and, and I was taking a lot of risks. So that felt scary in, the, in a way. But it wasn't, it didn't have anything to do with like, if I if I'd gone anywhere, I would have felt mm. that. It didn't really have anything to do with New York. New York was was actually the thing that was making it all work for me. Because I was just like, I'm living in a movie. Like, this is New York. Like, you yeah. know, I, <laughs> I was loving it, you know. So if I have to leave one day, at least I did this, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, so. so let's And now, I, you yeah. know, this city is, is everything for me because it's like, Um, you know, I have so many, I get so many work opportunities here and I really wear it on my sleeve with a lot of pride that I'm a New York City artist, you know, like I, I make street art, I want to, you know, I try to, 
bring value to, you know, I do, a, I donate a lot of murals to schools and kids and communities here in New York and Brooklyn and Queens. And so it's really important for me um, to give back in that sense um, because, and I like making work art just for New York, for New Yorkers, you know? Yeah. And so I, I you know, I, I, I have a lot of pride in that. So. It it does seem that New York is aligned with your lifestyle and the way you are and the people you work for. Um, and I want to f fast forward a couple of years um, from the moment you you moved to New York and you joined our school in SBA. Um, I want to fast forward a couple of years and understand how did you go freelance? How did you, you yeah. know, how did you decide to go freelance? What, what happened in between? Uh, if we can just quickly touch on that and yeah. what were the what was the process of um starting freelance and what was the also the motivation behind it what did what mm. motivated you to say like hey i just want to go on my own and i want to start my own business yeah, yeah i mean i think so i graduated sva and i became a book jacket designer for simon <laughs> and schuster um and who's also now publishing my graphic memoir that'll be out Oh, seriously, so it's, it's great. Yeah, it's, it's so, so good. So, <laughs> connections, wow. connections are yeah. everything. So I, I, I was a book jacket designer there and I was making no money and I lived an hour away in Brooklyn and it was, a, you know, it was exciting in a lot of ways, you know, mm. it was like, I, I, for me, you know, all my favorite designers when I was in college were like people who did book jackets, who did these kind of like magazine covers and things like that. And so it felt like there was a novelty to it that was special to me. Um, I spent a year doing book jackets. My art director, John Fulbrook, who when I was working for Simon Schuster, he left and went to work in branding for mm. a man named Brian Collins, mm. who has a firm called Collins. And he took me with him. So I, suddenly I was in this whole new world of branding and, and uh, working on I, big brand identities and all this. And I was only, you know, not even, I think I was like, I, it wasn't even a year. It was like eight or nine months after I graduated. So suddenly I was in this world yeah. and there was a lot of pressure and we worked insane hours and I had to learn certain kinds of programs very quickly And I was just, I, I just worked day and night, day and night for this man. And it was enthralling. It was just so thrilling for me as a, such a young mm -hmm. designer. And that's all I wanted, you know, I just kind of devoted my whole life to create. And so I worked for him for two years and then I got a job opportunity to go to California and work for Apple. And I was only, you know, a couple of years, three years, two and a half years out of school. And I went to California. I lived in San Francisco. I worked for Apple and Cupertino and I did not like it at all. Mm. It, there were amazing people that I met at Apple. It just wasn't the right place for me. So in, in which it, way can I, can I ask in which yeah, way? It was just very corporate. You know, I didn't, mm. I didn't want to. So I also did my first mural at this moment. Ah, really? Okay. So, so, so in Apple or like in, in the offices or what? No, no, not for just, Apple. I did it okay. just free, freelance. Okay. I did my first mural. I did it for free. Mm. I know. I know we're not supposed to do. Uh, we're not supposed to, you know, talk about doing things for free. But I did it for free because I really felt like it was a great opportunity to do something like that. And 
I had never felt so much. Um, doing this mural, I felt mentally, emotionally, physically, um, uh, like stimulated. I, 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 I like I, it was so everything just connected when Tell I. Tell me this more mural. about this mural. I'm, I'm not yeah. letting you go without telling me more about this mural. I, what it was, was it? Weird... How, how did you? How did you um, find it? Or who, how? Yeah, who approached was, you was... with that? It happened so quickly. I won a Young Guns Award. You know Young Guns? Oh, yeah. 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 So I was only two, two, three years out of school. So, and I so was for those school. that don't know, for those listeners that don't know, the Young, Young Guns Award is an award that is, um, that, how will you explain, that actually um, awards the vanguard of it's for, artists it's, under 30? Yeah, 30. Yeah, right? under 30, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so I won a Young Guns Award. I was, I, I don't even know how, I, it was a wild thing that I won it. And um, at some point they they had an open call for Ace Hotel is a hotel here in, 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 America, in the United States. And they wanted someone to do a mural in one of the rooms. Yeah. And they contacted the Young Guns and someone there, I think gave them a couple different names and they reached out to me and they said, what would you do if you wanted to do a mural? I got really excited. I did this whole sketch yeah. and they loved it. And then I went and did it and I locked myself in this room for three days and I did this mural at, with a paint marker. I didn't know why I picked a paint marker. It just felt, <laughs> it just felt like, and you stick to uh, it forever. Essentially. I know, now I have, now I have whole jars of paint markers, <laughs> Yes, um, uh, but I didn't know why I picked the paint marker. I just felt like easy, you know? I just felt yeah. like, well, I don't know how to do a mural. I just, <laughs> I'll just draw with this marker. It's thick. It's like, okay. But I took, it took me three days to do this mural. Something now that would take me maybe six hours. Yeah. And I was crying doing this mural. Like I just, I didn't know if it was good. I didn't, I felt just so overwhelmed, but I just, I couldn't stop. I just felt like, it, I don't know. When I finished the mural, I just felt like, this feeling that w was just came over me that was so overwhelming that how I asked myself a question. I said, I feel so stimulated doing this mural. I feel like I've really, for the first time, created something that's inherently me, you know, and the way I see the world and the way, and it was editorially, it was editorial, like kind of the work. And, and I said, well, how, I love this feeling right now. How do I make, How do I find this feeling for the rest of my life? Yeah. I Is want that more. possible? Yeah. So, but then I took this job to go to Apple. So then I was working at Apple and I was not, you know, Apple's a, Apple's Apple. I could, I, 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 you know, I could get my teeth fixed and my mom could tell her friends what I do for a living finally. And, you know, I would get a little stock and all these things, but I was just like, why am I here? This yeah. doesn't feel right. And I was and I was running home every day to do uh, freelance work. I started trying to get freelance work. I was doing mm. book jackets. I was doing illustrations for magazines, New York Times. Like I was trying to find all this free. I was doing anything I could to get my voice out in the world. That was the mm. most important thing to me as a young designer. I just wanted to, to find my voice and project my voice into the world through my art any way I could um, through any medium. And I was doing all this while I was working at Apple and I was, I was, I, and it was just constant kind of like battle and struggle internally. 
And eventually, after 15 months there, I realized that I could at least pay my rent with the freelance I was making. Hmm. And so I decided that was enough for me to take, you know, and I was saving my money. You know, I didn't spend my money on anything. You know, from the time I started working in book jackets, when I was making $20,000 a year and I had to share a, a, a bedroom with my best friend in Brooklyn, deep in Brooklyn, Crown Heights, we, I was saving my money all the way to Apple. I never bought furniture. I never went on a trip. I didn't do anything. All Because I, <laughs> I was waiting for this moment to, mm. put, I, I, I just knew at some point in, while I was in branding and at Apple, I realized this is not for me. Like, mm. I... If I can do, if I can have any say in this, if I can really go after this, I'm going to try because I know I'm not this kind of a designer. I'm not a person who wants to make brand identities and talk about art direction and all these things. You know, it just felt like I wanted, there was something else calling me, you know, yeah. and it wasn't, I wasn't looking down on any of that, you know, like it wasn't about a judgment. It was just for me, it, it I knew it wasn't, it didn't feel right. Um, and uh, yeah, so I quit. I, I realized I could pay my rent and I quit my job at Apple and I got the hell out of San Francisco because I, I didn't like San Francisco either. Yeah. Uh, you know, it just didn't feel like uh, it didn't feel culturally the right place for me. It didn't feel like they really, you know, it's a tech place. It's not for it. It wasn't for artists, you mm. know, for me, the way I saw it, you know, yeah. and I. And I missed New York terribly and I got, got back here and I'm working from and that was 10 years ago. So you went freelance, you had been doing work for freelance clients on the side. Did you continue doing work for those clients where did you have some jobs secured or did you start, you know, doing client outreach? How were the first months? Um, all of it. I, I still okay. do. I still do client outreach. We should yeah. always be doing client. Like who am yes. I'm not too good for anything. I'm constantly trying to, you know, reach out. I'm constantly trying. I make mail champs to keep people updated on the work I'm doing. I'm constantly reaching out to new people that I would want to work with. Just saying, hi, I'm alive. This is yeah. the kind of work I do, you know, and we, sh I, I really just tell young people to always be doing that, you know, and I was, I was doing that like a full-time job back then. I would work during the day and then at night or whenever I could find time, I was finding emails to different kinds of companies in different places. And I was sending them emails, sharing work, sharing myself and keeping it short and, you know, and just doing that, you know, and, Tell me and more constantly about using this. social media. Tell me more about this because this is something we, we often discuss with my students and the members of my coaching program. It's something that is really challenging for many of us to do client outreach. We don't, we don't know yeah. how to do it. Uh, we don't know how to stay top of mind um, with our clients. I don't know how to we, do it either. You don't, you don't but, know. But you what, is, do what is your process? What is your process? <laughs> uh, what, 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 what would uh, your client outreach look like? How, how, what do you write in that email? How do you... How do you select that client first? Mm -hmm. What is your, what is your process to do client outreach? Just, I mean, clients that you find that you feel aligned to, you know, brands or clients that you feel that matter to you, that mm -hmm. you, you know, that you, you know, if you, if you love Nikes and you want to work for Nike, like doing a Nike would be a big thing. Or if you like certain kinds of brands, 
or clients, you know, so it's about finding that work, but it's also about being honest with yourself about the kind of work you're creating. Hmm. Like, so when I wanted to do editorial, when I wanted to do editorial illustrations for, for magazines yeah, and I didn't have any of that work in my portfolio, yeah. I made fake work. Hmm. I put things on my website that looked like I could make something for this magazine. So if you want to do book jackets, but you've never done a book jacket, how do you get that work? Maybe you should make some fake book jackets yeah. and put them on your website and show people that you understand how, a, you know, you might be able to create, you know, a book jacket. So same with logos or brand identities or whatever. Like you, I think it's really important to try to find ways to show them that you can do this kind of a work. So, so there's that having a website is very important. I think in that, in that way, and just being honest and writing emails saying, Hey, I found your email through so-and-so, you know, I'm a big fan. I would love to work with you. Here's my work. I think we could do something great. Please keep me in mind. If, if anything comes up, you know, mm. um, it could be that simple, very short, obviously you write, you're writing clients, you're reaching out to people. People are very busy. You don't want to write a long email. Yeah. Um, and I think that can be it. You know, you could also, times have changed. You could also DM someone on Instagram with your Instagram profile. Just say, hey, love your work. You know, would love, you know, keep me in mind. You know, you never know if they like your work, they might start following you and keep updated. You know, there's a lot of different ways I think you can do it. Staying current on social media is really important too, of course. I, you know, I know not everyone loves to do that. It can be hard to put yourself out there. But it's also, you know, it's another avenue. And I think if you can find a way to detach and not identify so much with it, it's okay. People aren't judging you. They're just, it's just the work and just, you know, put it out there, you know, just get it out there because it's only another avenue for your work to be seen. No one can hire you. No one can work with you if they don't know you exist, if they don't know your work exists. So. And I would like to, I would love to touch on social media today. I don't know if we're going to get to that topic, but before, because I see that, you know, you don't, you don't only um, do client outreach, but you also, you also create, you have a pretty entrepreneurial approach to your practice. You know, you have your self-initiated projects, you have your books. Um, so you, you don't necessarily wait for client assignments to come your way. You also create your own opportunities and you're about to publish a book titles. I always, I always think it's forever, which is your, mm -hmm. um, your memoir is as it says on your website, a love story set in Paris as told by an unreliable, but earnest narrator. I love it. Tell, <laughs> tell us about it. Tell me a little bit how, how that book is, what, what, what was the inspiration for it? Um, and I'm going to also pre-order uh, pre myself, but also mention the, that there's um, uh, the opportunity to pre-order the book yeah. right now. So I'm going to put the link to pre-order the book on our show notes so that it, people can go buy it already. Yes, yes, please. You can pre-order it now. It will be out January 31st. Yes. Um, yeah, Tell so, us a little oh, bit about the, the project. Yeah. Yeah, so um, what was it? 2019, I went to Paris for six months. And I, what's that? I know. I saw it all. <laughs> I, I followed it on social media. I was like, yeah. what's going on right now? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I went to Paris for six months. It was the first time in my life that I really 
took time for myself. You know, it was like I had gone through a lot of depression in 2018, going back to, you know, things we were talking about earlier where I felt like, you know, I was working so hard for so long and I lost myself in the, in, in the face mm -hmm. of all that, you know, so I needed to come back to a place where, who am I? What am I interested in? And mm. what, what, what kind of work do I want to make? Who, what, what kind of person am I? Who am I to my, my family, to my friends, to, you know, in a, in a relationship. So I decided to go to Paris because I always wanted to be an artist in Paris after New York. And I always <laughs> wanted to, I always wanted to learn French, you know? Yeah. And so, um, I decided to, you know, make this decision to go to Paris and take time, you know, so I planned for a couple months so I could go and I went to Paris and it's, this book is a documentation of that whole time of going to Paris and learning the culture and learning the language and having a French teacher. And I fell in love with a Parisian woman during that time. And it documents everything through the catalyst of this relationship. And it's all told through like, the stages of, of a relationship and the heartbreak that, that proceeded. So everything from, from the whole, you know, from falling in love to, um, you know, to breaking up and, you know, going through those stages of grief, whether it's, you know, being in denial, being depressed, and then all the way back again to having hope. So it follows this whole relationship through graphs and, and uh, arts and my poems Wow. Uh, all about the relationship, but also the context of like today's dating culture and, you know, and online dating and falling in love and heartbreak and, you know, very kind of like universal themes, but told through this like very personal story of, of this, this journey that I was on. So, and, and it's really about finding myself through it mm. all and showing up for myself and, and, you know, go and therapy and, and what it means to deal with some of the problems I have, you know, with relationships or um, depression and all these things. And so, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, and also with manhood and, and breaking and cutting through our toxic masculinity as men um, and kind of going through that whole journey. So, yeah, it's a very personal work that I'm very proud of and I put a lot of time into it and I hope people, you know, will will we'll dig it so yeah and people can pre-order on already on tgoodman.com slash books i'm gonna add this link mm -hmm. to the show notes so that everyone can find it and i think this is because we're running out out of time this is a great way of wrapping up this episode before we go on to some questions from the audience but also i think it's a, you know your book is such a great example of you know, how your own voice and your own interest as an artist can still be, you know, become a product and can be, you know, a um, something that you do, you put out in the world and also allows you to uh, make a living as an artist, right? So yeah. um, I, I really think that this is a great message for every artist out there that you not necessarily need to um, you know, do work for clients. You can do work for clients if you want, but you you can stay true to your voice and still, you know, be able to sustain yourself as an artist. Um, yeah, I mean, I I have been writing uh, 
these sort of poems and posting them on my Instagram for years, you know, um, and that has nothing to do with client work. It's just been something that I love to do. Yeah. And I think I'm good at, and I, and people seem to resonate with them. So I've been posting them for years and it has led to all sorts of opportunities, you know, art shows and things like this book and all kinds of things. And so, you know, you have to find your own niche and your own voice and, and, and then you also have to put it out in the world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I want to touch shortly on social media where we give time to the people in the audience to come up with their questions if they have one and you can just raise your hand or say something on the chat and I will bring you on the conversation. Um, just if you want, if you have a question, just write it down on the chat um, and I will invite you on the conversation I or I will just ask um, team here the question that you have. But before we do that and while I give time to the audience to think of their questions and the things they want to ask you, I want to touch shortly on social media because, you know, you have a big social media following, but you also, I feel that you're one of those artists that um, really use or... I don't want to say use, but really um, use social media as a tool to, and correct me if I'm wrong, but as a tool mm -hmm. to, you know, to share their work, but also as a tool to inform their work. I feel yeah. that many of the things that you share on social media and resonated were then later used to create prints for your online shop or to create uh, books or to create more content. So I want to ask you a little bit about... Um, how that this process has been for you? How do you use social media today, and how that that has changed throughout time? How how your approach to so social media was before, and how it is nowadays? Yeah, I mean, I I think social media. I think at times it's re it can get really difficult, and it can be very stale, and there can be a lot of expectations, and all of us are constantly fighting this algorithm, and you know, there's all this like tension and um fear and insecurity around social media of course especially as artists you know but it's been important for me though over the last like four or five years to really use social media as not just a platform to share my work but also to you know bring community together you know i i do giveaways a lot on my social media you know whether it's prints or different things i do with brands like products i constantly trying to do things like that You know, I do, I, you know, two or three times a year, I'll do something where I'll buy people um, uh, online therapy sessions, you know, oh, yeah. and stuff like that. And, you know, I also use it as a, my own, like, journal, like, you know, talking about whatever is going on in my life, whether it's going through depression or falling in love or whatever. Like, I'm, I'm really, I, I love just being able to share my journey and to, to, to talk and connect with other people who are going through similar things. Um, because it makes it exciting for me, you know, it makes it feel worthwhile because social yeah. media can just be such a dreadful place, you know? So, yeah. um, I think it's a great tool to, you know, and also just ways to share content and, you know, scream about politics and <laughs> things yeah. that are going on in the world that I believe in, you know, it's like, I don't, You know, I I do have a following, so I hope that like you know, I'm, sometimes people get mad at me and unfollow me if they don't agree with my political opinions or something, or if they're Republicans or something like that, and that's fine. You know, I don't care. It's just it, 
it's it's my world you know yeah. and i want to be able to share and talk about these things and you know and, and you just mentioned that. that that social media can be a dreadful place and i you know i can imagine that as you see some success in social media you know social media can be a in a way a reflection of your success and you you can mm -hmm. as you see some success in the things you are posting and the you know the content that you're sharing it can become something that you feel that you need to go back to or you feel um obliged to respond to so i i want to ask you if if it's it has ever become that for you and if you have ever experienced that feeling towards social media in the, in terms of like hey this is consuming too much of my time or this yeah this, of course yeah. i'm all human i think it does for everybody right like yeah it can really be a place that you feel it's just constantly taking from you you know and taking your energy and taking and you're comparing yourself to other people and And it could really be difficult. And it's like, how do we disconnect, you know? And how do we find ways to get away from it and not put so much value into it? And I don't have a good, you know, I don't have the, the answer to it. You know, I, I think yeah. I'm struggling just as much as anybody else in a, on any given day. Some days I'm good. And sometimes it could be a place where I just, I can't, like it takes a lot out of me. And, you know, so I don't know. If you have any, you know, answers, let me know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know that, you know, personally, I have established some boundaries with social media and it has really changed or it has really allowed me to gain back a lot of time. And yeah, yeah. Um, and I feel that I wish I would have or I would have found uh, I wish I would have known before that there were ways of structuring the way I use social media or systematizing that in some way so that I can gain back some of that time and I still connect with my audience and I still connect with the people I want to work with. Um, so it's something that I advocate for every person I work with, every student that I work with, and I, I advocate for myself that I try to you know, still use it as a tool because I know that it's a great tool to connect with the people you want to work with and you, to connect with your tribe, but at the same time, be respectful of your own time and the things that are important yeah. to you, right? Yeah. And I think that also as you grow up, you you have more things to care about and you can see it yourself. You, you have now a couple, you live together, you know, there's some other things that populate your life that are important yeah. and you need to start organizing your time in a meaningful way and yeah. organizing social media and the way you use social media and you approach social media is also part of that. Yeah. So there's a question here on the chat. Um, I don't know who this is coming from. The, let's, let's just drop it um, on, on the conversation. Um, it says, do you have any tips, advice for us creatives that struggle with copywriting on how to express our voices in a way that resonates with others? Uh, this is from Gabriela. Yeah. Uh, for, for copywriting. I mean, I'm not a copywriter, so I don't, I don't know, but, um, you know, I think so Miles Davis, I'm a big jazz fan and Miles Davis, one of the great jazz players of all time. He said, okay. He said, you have to play a long time before you can play like yourself. Mm. And it really is about putting the time and into your craft over, 
months and days and years and constantly, you know, finding, and that's how you develop your voice. You know, yeah. you, you take a little bit of this or take a little bit of that and, and the things that work for, and that you're inspired by, or that resonate with you, maybe that other people do. And then you make your own little stew that becomes uniquely you, you know, and that is like how it, but, but nothing is possible without, you know, really kind of like exhausting all of those different ways of creating over years of trying, you know, and yeah. however, so I think that's how you, de one person develop their, their voice, you know, it's really about that effort. Um, and find, and then you find a place where what, what connects to you, but also you see resonates with other people. And that's that sweet spot. Cause, because that's, cause not, if, if it's not resonating with people, then, then, you know, I think that, I mean, if, if it's resonating with you and you want to keep making it, that's important. But I think there's a sweet spot of like seeing how it connects to other people. And it also connects to you is like that place you want to find. So, but no, no, that's possible without trying, you know, just really exhausting those possibilities. I love that. Um, there's a question from Amy and we are going to wrap up with this question. Um, yeah. Amy wants to know a little bit about the process uh, around writing um, your book. Like when you got back from Paris, did you know that you wanted to write about it or was what was the invest in instigating deciding factor in telling your story? Um, yeah, that's a good so question. What 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 makes what makes a a um, a thing in your life strong yeah. enough to talk about it and decide to, to decide to make a book about it? Well, so I didn't I did not know I was going to write a book while I was in Paris. <laughs> but what I did do while I was in Paris is I kept just part of my journey there. I I vowed to keep a journal every day because I hadn't done that in many, many years. Mm. So I was constantly writing every day, documenting what happened. And I was also falling in love with this woman while I was there and I was documenting all of that. And I, and I was writing poems because I always write poems. It's just something I've always done. And sometimes I share those poems on Instagram sometimes. I, so I was just constantly writing and documenting because that's yeah. what I do. But I didn't, I didn't have any idea that I would make a book. It was just, I was just living my life and just documenting it all. And, and, and then it was during, it was a year, uh, about a um, trying to think how long, maybe a year and a half after that whole experience during, it was during the pandemic that I found myself kind of revisiting all these things I had written and thinking, Oh, this would be interesting to write a to create a book that really explored all the ins and outs of the beginning to the end of a relationship, but to do it in my way with art and graphs and poems, and to really d dive into this whole experience to immerse myself into it and and to immerse the audience, the reader, into it. And so I created a fifty-page book proposal, and I'd never really created a book proposal, but I. I I really created the book. I started really thinking about what do these pages look like? How does this story develop? And I created an outline and I created a book proposal that, and I made art and I did all these things to show what I thought it could be. And then I found, I went to a friend of mine has an, a book agent and I went to her and I shared it with her and she really loved it. And so it kind of went from there. Um, but you, I really, 
did so much of the work before I ever even knew a book would come, you know, like I, uh, I made a, you know, it took me a long time to make the book proposal, but I felt, you know, I felt because I'd share so much on Instagram and people love all the stories I tell and stuff. I felt, well, this could really be something, you know, um, if, if I could get, you know, make it into a book form. So it kind of started from there. Also, I just want to say that this person, Boo Boo Tannenbaum, you, thank you very much. That was a very nice note. Um, I just made and, uh, made a screenshot of that of that comment <laughs> so that I can send it to you. Um, so I, I love what you just said that you know it all started with just asking a friend and showing your project to yeah. a friend, and I think that's such a, an important part of getting anything out there and getting any project um, published that you start yeah. speaking about it. Tim, I want to wrap up the the podcast which has been great and I so much appreciate everything you have shared. Yeah, of course. Thank the, you for having the me. The show. Um, Hi, I want everybody. To, Thank I you. want to ask you just one question to wrap up the, this episode, which is what will you say? You know, I feel that nowadays with social media and the internet and everything that we see out there, there is this perception. Um, and I know that this is true because of the 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 artists and designers I work with and because I have that perception myself, but we have the perception that there's just too many people out there, just too many artists, too many designers out there mm -hmm. trying to find their way. So I want to ask you, what will you say? And I think this is one of the reasons that I bring, why I bring people um, like you on the podcast, because I want to show to other artists that, you know, you are a human being, you're a normal person. And if you could do yeah. it, others can do it as well. So I want to ask you, what would you say to someone who's starting and is trying to find their way into this industry? And at times they feel discouraged because they see all the amount of people out there. Um, what would you say to someone who is starting and they, they have these feelings and these thoughts? Well, I mean, you know, first of all, give yourself permission to, to not beat yourself up about it. You know, we all feel these thoughts, no matter what stage you're at or what quote unquote level, everyone is always comparing themselves to the next person. Yeah. And everyone is, you know, especially because of social media. So give your permission, give permission to yourself to let that go and to feel like, you know, you're not alone in that. So give yourself permission to, to let that go. Um, and then also just remember that, you know, I think that you have, like, it doesn't all come at once. Mm. You know, and you gotta like put in the time and 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 you have to have a level of like do what brings you like you have to find the joy in these things day by day, you know, and and kind of kind of like keep working towards something if you believe in it, you know, and and I think that that's really important while you're starting out and to approach design as a practice, it's not like a profession, you know, you mm. can. You know, like dentists and doctors, they have, they're, they're practicing, you know, they're always like, I'm a, I have a practice. I'm a practicing doctor. Well, you are as a designer too. There's no end point to any of this. Yeah. And it's all breeds and it can all be insatiable. And you're always kind of going for the next thing and the next thing. And remember that where you're at right now is exactly where you're supposed to be, you know? So. I love that. Where you're yeah. at right now is exactly where you're supposed to be. I love it, Timothy. Um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Where can people find you? 
Uh, you can find me um, in New York City. If you see me on the street, say hi. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Timothy Goodman. Uh, on Twitter, Timothy O. Goodman. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook. Uh, I, I got a new TikTok. I don't oh, yeah. use it, but I'm trying. It's very, <laughs> it's, I'm trying. Uh, but Instagram is where you'll find me most, um, uh, at, at Timothy Goodman. And pre-order my new book comes out January 31st. I always think it's forever. A love story set in Paris, as told by an unreliable but earnest narrator. Me. Moi. Amazing. We are going to add <laughs> all of this to the show notes. And I want to thank you again for being on the show. I want to thank people in the audience for being there and um, sending over your questions. And I want to thank our listeners for tuning in today. Thanks again and see you on the next episode of Open Studio. Bye-bye. So this is it. I hope you loved this episode. You can find me, the host of the show, on social networks at Martina Flor on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you have a question or comments, go to martinaflor.com slash podcast, where you can see previous episodes, find show notes, and send voice memos with your comments and questions. You can also watch these episodes on YouTube. Just go to martinaflor.com slash YouTube to find them. You can, of course, Listen to all our episodes on your favorite podcast platform. If you loved this episode, subscribe to this podcast. And if you leave us a review, it will help others find us. Thank you all for listening and see you in the next episode of Martina Flores Open Studio. Bye-bye. <laughs>